data-driven podcast, and I Hear Everything production. In this podcast, we explore how to transform your company and career through data-driven decision-making. Want to become a data storytelling aficionado? Then sit back, relax, and get ready to unlock the true potential of your data. Here's the host of the Data-Driven Podcast, Dominic Bohan. So yesterday, Dean and I talked about the power behind democratizing data across teams. Today, we'll continue our conversation and discuss how companies can bring data to the center of their businesses. So here's my conversation with Dean Guider, founder at Slingshot. Dean, thanks for joining us again on the Data-Driven Podcast. Thank you. Happy to be here and sorry for my raspy throat. I'm getting over a cold. Hey, no worries. So let's talk about how companies can bring data into the center of their businesses. Easier said than done. Can we start with where they should start if they find this challenge overwhelming? Yeah, I think the way you start is leading by example. So if possible, if you can, from the top down executive level, start showing how you operate by using data to make decisions, that, that's, that's a big step. Mm. One of the biggest challenges is, where is my data? How do I get to it? And sometimes there's a culture of protecting data, and certain data does need to be protected and not shared with everyone. But if you are having your teams make decisions to, to drive your business, execute on sales and marketing and product plans without access to data, you are not going to compete at the level you should to win. And so it's this democratization and creating a culture of giving people access to data, allowing them to easily find it, and then to put that into their work back plans and workflows and how they go about solving customer, company, sales, and marketing problems, you will compete and win. So it's a lot of it's a mindset too. Yep. I think that's a great way of looking at it. So we talked quite a bit yesterday about access to data, but you've also mentioned, especially for the starting point, that it needs to come from the top leading by example, this leadership position. So can you share some examples of when you've seen this done effectively? Yeah, I mean, if you asked any CEO, how's it going? Sales are great. You know, things are great. Yep. But no, things are never great. You're, you know, you're, you're always trying to drive to hit plan or to increase sales. So the way I've seen it work great is where you're in a meeting and prior to the meeting, Someone sends out the deck pointing to, here is what we're seeing in the data. We're seeing leads go down, costing more. Here's our current messaging. And we're kind of seeing a correlation between our current messaging and our leads cost and our lead quantity. And so a great example is where you send out the information before a meeting, you share some hypothesis and the actual dashboards and data of what you're seeing. And then in the meeting, instead of informing about what's happening, you've already sent that out in advance. And so in the meeting, you're talking about what are your ideas Mm -hmm. and hypothesis of how to improve this. And so that's a great example of share data before a meeting, give some insight and hypothesis of what you have, 
spend the meeting with other people's experience and knowledge and collaborate, trying to understand why something's going on and spend time in that meeting, not presenting, but collaborating of experiments and solutions, how to change that. And then you go do it. And then you intentionally measure what you did. And then you come back to the next meeting with the data of what happened because you intentionally said what you want to measure and the outcomes you wanted from your hypothesis and your experiment. And you discuss it. And these are great examples of teaching people how to improve and prioritize how to improve business outcomes. I'm a huge fan of this approach. It's such a superior way to use people's time for actual discussion in a meeting rather than just imparting information. The roadblock I've often ran into is I go, okay, here's all the information. Here's a pre-read. I've sent it five days in advance. Show up to the meeting. No one's read it. And then we're back to the bad old days of, okay, I've got to walk you through it step by step. Yeah, I mean, if that would happen to me, if nobody read it, I would postpone the meeting and say, look, guys, we want to use everyone's insight and experience and intuition, but let's just break. Fine, you didn't have time to read it. I get it. Yeah. You had to do other things. Go read it. We'll reschedule for tomorrow. And, and it's fine. No blaming. Fine. Mm -hmm. Then the next day, everyone should have read it. And most of the time they do. And then you, you want to facilitate. And if someone's not participating in the meeting, you want to say, hey, Joe, what are your thoughts on this? And because it's amazing, like you got to pull people out and give ideas. And these are very rewarding meetings because people are collaborating, thinking, hypothesizing, and, and it motivates people. It gives intrinsic motivation to when you come out of the meeting, aligning on what to go try and, and, and how to measure that. And it, it's very liberating. It, it, it's, a, it's how to create a learning organization and put data at the center of decision-making. It's fun. I've seen it when it's done properly. Meetings should be fun. It's a, it's a time to be creative and ideate. And no wonder so many people hate them because they're used wrongly to basically regurgitate information, which can be done right. in, a, in a written format. So I want to get your opinion on the Amazon memo. Have you heard of this approach of... Uh, no. Oh, yes. Like the six page. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit prescriptive, but it's quite similar to what you're saying, where I think to sort of paraphrase a bit, Jeff Bezos is saying, yeah, basically don't invite me to a meeting unless you've written six pages of a quality, well-reasoned, data-driven argument. Yeah. I mean, a hundred percent, you know, sometimes six pages for a meeting is too much. Sometimes it's too little, but you got to like really simplify it if it's a big strategic thing. But the concept is, is exactly what I was talking about in my example. It's like, be thoughtful about what you're seeing happening in the market. Share it with people so they can read it, interpret it. And it's funny, some people are like these quiet thinkers who like the next day you need to go to, they have to think about it for a little while mm -hmm. and ask their opinion. And it's amazing what you get. Some people are very extroverted and are right in there in the meeting. But the important thing is to get everyone to participate. And so if someone's feeling like this is a waste of my time, well, that's up to you too. Mm -hmm. You need to participate and make this a better meeting and collaborate. So 
yeah, I subscribe to the Bezos way mm. and uh, it's just different forms and content, but it's like, come to the meeting. Let's have a shared understanding of what we know, but the meaning's about trying to understand what we know and what to do next. Yep. I think that's really important as well. Driving towards action, not just like, yes. let's talk about the data for the sake of it. So maybe we can drill into that a little bit because the topic today is bring data to the center of their business. But I think it's more than that. I think it's use data to achieve something valuable. So how can we steer people beyond just, hey, that looks interesting to relentlessly using data to do something useful? I think it starts with always asking why. So here's what happens. Sales are down. And, and when sales are down, Sales blames marketing or product. Marketing blames sales or product. Product blames sales or marketing. It's the constant blame game. Mm -hmm. And it depends what department you're in. But you got to ask why. why. Why? Okay, hypothesis, maybe it is product. Hypothesis, maybe it is sales. Maybe it is marketing. But it's the curiosity. It's not the blaming. It's the curiosity is why is something happening? And then you have to use data to kind of hypothesize why something is happening. And then you have to test it. So like, for example, leads aren't good. Okay, well, maybe our messaging's wrong. Let's test the messaging. Leads aren't good. Oh, maybe we didn't segment the market right. Like the rule is segment, segment, segment. Do three or four segmentation. So it's, it's not like, oh, just go after, um, you know, software companies. It's like, Oh, go after software companies that are only in the SMB market space and talk to the director of IT. And so constantly asking why, segmenting, using data to keep drilling in to understand why things aren't going well. And so then you get into this learning, curiosity, collaboration to figure things out. And you're doing it with, like I said, with data, with team effort. And then you get intrinsic motivation because the team is coming up with these ideas and then going to execute. And so you get out of the blame game and it, it, this, is the, this really works. Okay, great. So, so far we've talked about some of the ways to bring data to the center of a business. First of all, access to data through a platform could be through a platform like Slingshot. Access to data. Then leadership showing that it's a data-driven culture and that we're going to use late data to make decisions. Then sharing that data effectively, so not boring people in meetings, uh, presenting that beforehand, giving everyone access. And then switching from the blame game to a curious mindset of generating and testing hypotheses. So five actionable ways that we can bring data to the center of our business. Anything else, any other tips that you have for our listeners on how we can do this? The other thing is just data literacy. Mm. You, you need to help people understand how to interpret data and at a basic level. So like if you're looking at the medium of what's happening versus the average, I mean, it's very dangerous to look at averages mm -hmm. because big numbers up or down can skew interpretation of data. So you got to like kind of educate also data literacy 
Sometimes people remove these outlier of data points. Others do use the average, but you need to understand, have some data literacy education so that people are interpreting and hypothesizing, you know, in, in, in the best way. Couldn't agree more. I am biased because we do teach data literacy at Story IQ, but I'd love to hear what you've seen in terms of people that have a day job. Maybe they haven't even done a lot of math since high school. Not a criticism of these people. They've just got a job to get on with. How can we take someone that maybe, maybe they're a great salesperson and they haven't worked with numbers for a long, long time. How can we give them some basic data literacy skills so they can be part of this culture and discussion that you've just talked about? Well, I didn't know your firm does that, but hire a firm like your firm. You know, there's a lot of online learning, you know, videos and tutorials and blogs. And so someone needs to own it. So it won't happen by itself. Mm. So you need to assign an owner that makes it easy for people just to click a link and go through maybe a, a few things of watching and learning. So the best thing is assign an owner to it and it's their job to get everyone to, to do it. And then you got to test it a little bit mm-hmm. because people say they did it, maybe they mm-hmm. didn't, but the accountability happens when they have to be amongst their peers and speak to it. And all of a sudden people are like, oh, oh, so there needs to be an owner and a, and a little bit of a process to make it happen. Definitely. You've seen lots of instances where just sort of throwing it up there saying, hey, there's this resource won't be enough. And I find no. the testing approach does work. It, it's not done in a pass fail kind of way, but just a knowledge check can be very effective. Yeah, it helps create accountability. I mean, nobody wants to look bad. Exactly. Now, what about the data literacy skills? Coming back to our example of the fantastic salesperson that hasn't really done anything with data since high school or even math since high school, what would you say are the most fundamental skills that they need? We see all these data literacy programs and they they try and pack so much stuff in. What are the absolute most vital skills that you'd teach that person if you only had, say, half a day of their time? Well, if they're a motivated salesperson that wants to make money, which is really the only kind of salespeople you want, mm-hmm. but it's not usually your team has everybody in there and it's not that simple. But the most precious thing a salesperson has, and quite frankly, the most precious thing anybody has is time. Yep. And so how you spend your time to achieve your sales number is very, very important. So the way I would approach it is that one, the end game is to make you money and the company money. And so if you use data to prioritize qualified prospects, if you use data to understand customer need, if you use data to hit home what, how your product or service is helping you, all, all of these things will help you achieve your goal of selling more and spending your time in the right place. And today, a salesperson, they have to use so many systems Mm -hmm. now. I mean, CRM, you know, chatbots. There's there's so much software out there now where there's aided prompts of information coming up because it's listening to you talk 
to your customer. There's account-based marketing systems. So, I mean, salespeople today have a, a lot of systems they need to use, which is all collecting data. And so as a salesperson, you need to understand how to leverage that data to spend your time with customers that have a need and are more likely to buy from you. I mean, so that's kind of how I would take it. That, that it's, you know, the, the benefit is you make money, but use data to help prioritize and spend your time in the right areas. Mm. Man, I love that simple framing. I might have to steal that for some of my own pitches because here's the other way I've seen it go, right? The, the CEO or the chief data officer is like, data, data, data. It's so fantastic. It's so important. And we'd probably agree with that. And then you've got someone that's got a day job to do that's like, man, I just want to hit my bonus. And they're being told, hey, you've got to learn data. And this is why you've got to learn these data types and these data systems. And it's like, no, this is how we're going to help you make more money and hit your bonus. And then yes. you go into the techniques that are relevant to them and their job. Such a powerful way to engage people. I plan to use that. Oh, nice. Uh, that's awesome. Thank you. Anything else that you want to share uh, for today's episode on bring data to the center of our businesses? Yeah, I mean, I like to tie it all back to Slingshot because we purposely built a business tool for business people to catalog all your data so you can find it and use it and then go and do your projects, communication, project management. And when I say project management, you know, people are like, whoa, that's a project manager. That's mm -hmm. for only big projects. No, what Slingshot is, is about getting work done. And it's all the little details of getting work done. And you don't need a project management to do that. So tying it back to like the right digital tools that have the intent of helping you drive business outcomes through data, accountability, creating transparency and trust with this digital capability where you can see what everyone's working on and where they're stuck and having it contextually all in one place. Because right now, too many business workers are inundated with hundreds of apps, mm -hmm. <laughs> hundreds of notifications, task switching, misdirection, wasting probably 30% of their week looking for stuff. There's huge value what Slingshot is doing, bringing it all together in one digital workplace. That's analytics, dashboarding, communication, task and, and uh, project management and file management all in one spot. You, you won't, once you start using it, you'll, you will like, wow, I have so much time back. I mean, it sounds interesting. So if I want to try it out, I can go to slingshotapp.io and I can try it for free. Try it for free. And we built it natively on every platform. So it's in your pocket, whether it's Android or iOS, it's on your Mac, it's on your web, or it's on your desktop. So we have an app for every app, for every um, device. And it, we because we care so much about experience, it's native, which means to you, performant, fast, good user experience. Terrific. I'm going to give it a try. So thanks for joining us today, Dean. That wraps up our episode of the Data Driven Podcast. Thanks to Dean Guider, founder at Slingshot, for joining us. 
If you'd like to contact Dean, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter, where his handle is at Dean Guida, or visit his company website at slingshotamp.io.